Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. What up, young adventurers? And on today's podcast, I have John Watts. He has been a devotee of all things technology <clears throat> since getting his first Commodore Amiga as young as uh, as a young boy. Movies like The Lawnmower Man spurred a fantastic fascination with virtual reality that continues to fuel his imagination. One which he feels lucky to be able to indulge in mo and modestly professionally ways with his small virtual reality arcade uh, in Venice. Uh, <clears throat> uh scotland so i apologize about that as one of the admins for several of the largest vr facebook groups john feels fortunate to have been part of the influencing the discussions in the industry for the past half decade for 15 years john has enjoyed success as an entrepreneur in sales and marketing for the lbe otherwise known as location-based entertainment and in restaurant industry with uh, a introspective that life is too short to waste doing anything you don't love. John is now working on opening the first LB VR venue in the Highlands of Scotland. So without any delay, I'd like to welcome John. Hey, Dylan. How you doing? Good, brother. Good to see you, man. Good to connect. Yeah, I, and uh, yes, uh, definitely um, super excited to chat with you. All things virtuality, all things metaverse, and also Facebook. Um, so I'm excited. Man. Thank likewise. you for thank you for staying up late, dude. I, I know you're uh, I know you're um, for me on the far far east coast, technically in in Scotland. So it's a bit late for you. Yeah, yeah. or early, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. I remember I had you come in uh, to to beta test um, our game. Um, we we're playing with you. Yeah. Uh, you you uh and andy man and I, I look over at your setup man and then you you get into this full-on ready player one rig strapped into the system got the shoes on and then you're just sprinting full full spread ahead and i was just like i was like uh oh i think andy's in trouble <laughs> yeah i don't i don't i don't even know what's my competitive side which i do have but i think probably more than anything it's just the, the excitement of anything technology and vr specifically is i don't know like you were saying when you were reading my bio out at the beginning there it's like every teenager's dream who grew up in the 80s and 90s you watch mm -hmm. movies like the lawnmower man and wow maybe one day i'll have equipment like that maybe i'll be able to do that in my lifetime and so the moment it's actually available and you can actually get your hands on it it's like give me let me add it and you know it's it's incredible because like the technology went from being complete fantasy to like yep. commonplace. Yeah, I mean, as you yep. know, like you know, like it was you know roll back the clock seven years. I mean, this was not a thing. There was no, no. store. There was no, no. There was no headsets anywhere. You couldn't even get a no. hold of them. You know, I remember. I remember like craving this this secret headset that only a couple of people had access to called the Vive, right? Yep. And and it was so amazing. You had to like beg for they get the headsets. Rim and then, scale and yeah. yeah, you could walk around. You mean you're not strapped to your computer and you 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 can't like just only face your computer and have one yep. directional tracking. So yep. uh, it, it it's evolved really quick. And I'd love to learn like what like for you, what was that like mind blowing moment that got you into virtual reality? What what kicked things off for you? Well, I think it was inevitable anyway. I think the moment that I was going to have the opportunity to try it, then that was going to be it. The first time I actually 
got to try a VR headset. I think it was the DK1. It could have been the DK2. Probably around 2013, and it was a like a, a traveling software expo, and they had an Oculus Rift, and it was being demoed with Alien Isolation, mm. and it was running really poorly. Um, you know what the resolution was like on the on the DK1 as well. Um, I tried it for like 10 minutes. I think I turned green. I almost threw up there and then, and I loved it. It was like, <laughs> let me at it. Give me more. Yeah, it's so funny, man. Uh, very similar experiences I had with Zelda when I first tried it, where yeah. I was in, I was incredibly sick, and I loved it. And I was like, I was yep. like, bring, bring me more. Yep. Oh man. Yep. So, uh, so then you you tried it, and you were you from that point you knew you were into it. What was the what was the points leading from there? DK One Days, which is the development kit yep. one, the original Oculus. Uh, you know, uh, previously the artist formerly known as Oculus. Um, what what was the journey like from from that first mind blown experience to actually creating your own VRcade? Well, I think a defining part of my personality is. is it's part of the fact that I have ADHD and mm-hmm. there's this tendency to fixate on things that are very interesting, like craving dopamine. What is it that's going to excite me? So from the moment of VR heads, that has been on the horizon following people like uh, Palmer Lucky. I was sitting on my computer or iPad and like, searching all the time. What, what's coming next? When's this coming out? What are the latest developments? So um, I think the first step was having a, in mind exactly when they were going to be released. So I was straight on the bandwagon with ordering the, the Oculus Rift um, the PSVR. And from there, really just couldn't get enough of it. After that, I decided, you know, I, I really love this. It actually excites me. Um, how can I turn my passion for this into something that I can make a living from as well? So that kind of mm-hmm. brought me to the next stage of thinking about VR arcades, sharing it with other people as well is every bit as much of a, a driver for me as making a living from doing it. Um, I think when you enjoy something that much, it's great to share it with other people and let them see as well. There is a there is a magic when you share the the tech with people. Yeah, and they they mm-hmm. try on the headset for the first time, and they're like, "Wow, this is possible." Yep. There's a there's a magic, you know. You're there almost is. like the you know because you feel like you're you gave them that gift, which is really, really cool. Um, I I also think it's a a big responsibility to make sure that when someone tries VR for the first time, they have a positive experience from it because we both know how easy it is for a first experience to be ruined by nausea. It wasn't going to deter you or I, but people often come with the preconception that this could make me sick. And actually, it's very easy to avoid someone feeling sick if you're careful about what kind of experiences you let them try. So I, I kind of feel that that weighs on me that I have this responsibility to make sure that when I'm demoing it or showing it to customers that they actually enjoy themselves, they don't feel sick, and they want more rather than leaving feeling like they're going to be sick. Yeah, I guess what are some tips for people not getting sick when they're first going into the VR experience? Um, I think... One of the things I've learned is the customer knows what they want, but they don't always know what's right for them. And 
so for example, like the, the omnidirectional treadmills, um, they're brilliant. I, I, I love them and I'm convinced that a lot of places that use them don't have them set up right. Um, I've, I've seen bad reviews for them and I think a lot of it's based around the fact that they're maybe not calibrated properly. But if you go straight on to any VR experience and it's smooth motion, then if you know before you have any tolerance for that, it's very easy to make someone feel sick. So for me, I think number one is if someone's trying VR for the very first time, static games are definitely the way to go. So where all the action is happening around you, things like um, synth riders, like Beat Saber, um, like um, Space Pirate Trainer, um, all, all these games where you're not using a thumbstick to move around, brilliant. After that, um, games that will let you to begin with move around by teleporting. I, I've watched it so many times where I'll tell someone to start off, you know, they've never done it before, try and move around by teleportation or try and do one of the static games. And you just see them push that forward motion on the thumbstick or try and turn their avatar to the right, but at the same time they look to the left and it's just their, their vestibular sense just goes whoosh. And next thing you see them, it's always a telltale sign of the heavy breathing. You'll see them kind of going, <laughs> and, and you, are you okay? I was like, oh yeah, 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 I'm fine. And it, it's that urge because they're having a good time just to ignore it. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. So what I think what I've learned as well is when a customer comes in and they're quite adamant that they want to try walking in VR, they want to try smooth motion to pretty strongly encourage them towards starting out on a base level with the game where their avatar isn't moving smoothly through the world and they're starting statically. Yeah, man, that is so important. Yeah, getting people comfortable and babysitting them yep. in because there's that there's that um, lag effect. There's that delayed effect. If you're a little sick now and you're still in VR, it's going to continue on. Exactly. You know what I'm talking about? It's like 15 minutes later, it's going to really pick up speed. So if you're feeling a yep. little bit, you want to uh -huh. stop. You want to like yep. stop and like let them let them roll through that. Um, yep. has there been, have you seen the benefits of like sitting versus standing or is there, is it, is it primarily just, just, just the, just, letting um, I don't know that I've, I think the closer you can be to the position that your avatar would be in the better. I think, you know, that dysphoria between what your body's doing and what your eyes are telling you your body's doing, I think is a major problem. Um, I don't know that I've specifically kind of really notice the difference. Yeah. Most of the games I use involve standing anyway. Um, I do have a, a motion simulator for doing sim racing. Um, and usually, again, I find with that, I won't throw someone straight into, I, I won't even throw them straight into VR in it, actually. I'll have them get used to the motion and get used to driving it with the screens and then move into VR the second part of their session. Because if they start off in VR and they just get that twinge of nausea, it's too late. It's just going to keep building. Once once it's been triggered, it's almost like there's there's no turning back. Yeah. So you want to build people up slowly. And it, it's amazing how you know everyone uses the term getting your sea legs. And they, they talk about VR legs. It's amazing how quickly you become used to it. And I, I don't know whether there's any real scientific data to back this up, but it seems to me an awful lot of the time when that nausea is triggered, 
if someone pushes through it for too long and too hard, next time they come, it's almost worse and happens right away. Whereas if they get to that point and then they stop, it, it's almost like going to the gym, right? They get to that point and then they stop. Next time they can do a little bit more. And that just kind of building people up slowly seems to work really well. Yeah. When I mean, you're curating, you're guiding the experience for people. I mean, you're a caretaker yeah. of their experience. And it's mm -hmm. also, they're very sensitive, right? And there's, yeah. and there's ways to have a lot of fun and also uh, have a really thrilling adventure without yeah. necessarily getting sick. Um, I know one, one of the things I've seen you promote a lot it, um, and uh, some of the things that you've done is um, phantasmophobia. Um, Phasmophobia. You know, yeah. Phasmophobia, yeah. yeah. Can, you talk, uh, can you talk a little bit about that and kind of like... So uh, the it, it's a game I, I tried myself and I right away I thought, what's great with this game is that you have to work together as part of a team and you have to work together with other players. Um, I really want to be able to do this in my in an arcade setting and share, share it with other people. At the same time, the major obstacle to it is it's quite a long learning curve as a game compared to other games that people use in an LBVR setting. So I thought, you know, how how can I get around that learning curve and make it actually manageable for people to learn it? Because if you look around at other arcades, um, very, very few of them will use it. And part of that, I think, is because it's very staff intensive in teaching people how to play. So um, I, I license it directly from um, the Steam, Cafe, uh, Steam Cyber Cafe program because you'll, you, you won't see it on either um, Synthesis or on the Springboard platform, but for, for the reasons I was just mentioning. Um, one of the things I do to get people into that game is I send them YouTube videos, instructional videos on how to play it, which combats an awful lot of the learning curve because they're having to work out all these complex things about gathering evidence and what to do as well as actually learning the controls. So I only book it when it's a longer VR session. I won't book it if someone's coming for an hour because I feel they spend too much of their session learning to play it. So people book specifically to come and do that. It'll be an hour and a half session there'll be a half an hour introduction of learning what all the evidence means, learning the controls. Um, I'll make sure that they play the first game with just teleportation, even if they insist they want smooth motion, um, because it always goes wrong if they decide they want the smooth motion. And I'll, I'll just kind of gradually build them up. And I've actually found that I've had repeat customers from it. So people will come, they will learn it. By the end of their session, most people leave really, really into it. And they want to come back for another one. They want to bring their friends and show them as well. And I, I, I really think that's what a, a lot of it is about. It's about being able to share it with people, like the, the social experience of VR. There's so many people look at it as being something that's isolating that you're doing on your own, you're putting this headset on, but that's not what it's about. It's about sharing it with other people. Yeah, that sharing the experience is, is magical and the, and the, and, um... The phantasmophobia, uh, maybe I'm saying that wrong, but the that's cool. yeah. It's 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 a yeah. great it's a great game that is about mm -hmm. ghost hunting. You go into a ghost yeah. hunting environment, and you got to solve it with your friends, and then ghosts come out and they yeah. chase you down, and it, and it can be terrifying, even though there's not yeah. a lot happening inside of there. Yeah, like I remember losing you guys when I was inside of there, and I and like I was on the second floor, and you guys like I think I lost my flashlight and I lost you guys, and I was just like, I was like, guys, where's everybody at? And I had that that terror yeah. of being trapped in a haunted house with and and I'm like I know I'm in a VR game I know I can just take off my headset but there's a yep. sheer 
it's simple and it's terrifying. Um, to, it's incredible. To, to someone who hasn't played it, it's almost hard to explain. Yeah. But I, I'm 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 an aficionado of horror movies. I love everything in the horror genre. I, you know, and I love VR obviously as well. Um, movies don't scare me. I don't go away and have nightmares. I can watch anything. My wife who's probably watching just now more than once I've caused her nightmares from making her watch horror movies, which I'm sorry for kind of, <laughs> um, but all the best horror movies or anything that's really good in the horror genre, it's very much a case of less is more. And yeah. movies that show you too much aren't scary. You, you just have to look at um, Ridley Scott's original Alien movie. You barely see the alien the whole way through. All it is is that motion detector and, and the beep, 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 beep. And I think Phasmophobia does an incredible job of creating this really tense, really atmospheric environment that you can feel immersed in. And that's the and that's the power of the thing is that and then that shared experience. I mean, I think a yep. lot of people go to V arcades um to to have shared experiences yep. with people and yep. and in the groups of people. Um uh I know uh some people like we say here, uh Andy says that my bank manager thinks that John and his VR toys are a bad influence on him. So uh <laughs> Andy doesn't know he's a subject of a bet that I will mention a new gadget or a new bit of technology to him, and I kind of have little wagers as to whether he'll go out and buy it. I think, <laughs> I, th I, think I think I've had him buy I think four, maybe four, maybe four or five new gadgets yeah. now. Yeah. Well, the thing is that if when things are amazing in VR, then you want to have them, right? Like I'm yep. still waiting for that, you know, that lightweight, like eye tracking, eye tracking and yeah. like in an in yep. easy, easy to use system is, is very powerful because you want to talk about how much data you can get and give with that. Oh, and yeah. like an MMR, a VR MMORPG, you know, free world game where you can interact with avatars and they can tell if you're yep, looking, amazing. looking away or, you know, that kind of stuff. Like there's so many wonderful things that like, it's like, you have these things like, you're like shut up and take my money. What was the last, oh, absolutely for you what was the last shut up and take my money moment for me. Yeah. For um, you. I think probably, um, do you want to see, I can grab from behind me. I think probably for me, oh. the last shut up and take my money moment, were um, a pro were the pro volvers made by ProTube, oh. um, amazing company by the way. Um, I I had a I had very early release models and I had a minor problem and they were so quick in helping me. But so these are the pro volvers, um, oh. and very simple. These are ones that take a a, a, a valve index controller, mm -hmm. but I. They also have ones for the Oculus touch controllers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if they have one for the Vive ones or if they were still working on that. But they're, they're very simple. They work with almost any game. They don't need native integration. And they recoil when you pull the trigger. So when you shoot your weapon, um, you get a kick back from it. Really simple, really subtle. Um, but the difference it makes in the feeling of immersion when you're playing just a simple shooter game is incredible. That's what I was curious about. A little bit of haptics, uh, the sense yep. of touch goes a long, yep. long way. So I'd be, yep. yeah, I, I was wondering, do you feel like it increases the your ability to like perform in, in an esports game or anything like that? Or no. is it is it no. just sheer just sheer entertainment value? 
I think sheer entertainment value. The I know people use gun stocks, mm. and so um, ProTube also make gun stocks. I know they do an awful lot for accuracy once you get used to them, but I, I've it, never cared about being competitive so much as just having fun and feeling like I'm there. Yeah. Um. That that's my that's the driver for me. I mean, so like I, I have the, the sim rig set up here that that I have people come and use. It's got motion on it. It's got um. Artificial when say, wind. When you're saying sim rig, what you're talking about, just so we can just describe to people that don't understand, is you're you're referring to an actual. Um, if you go to like an like an arcade, right? You'd have a you'd sit down with one of those old school race cars, right? And you have yep. like a, a, a steering wheel that you could drive onto. But this is a much more advanced version, right? With all of right. like the the haptics so, and the feelings and the, the wind. So a, a metal frame cockpit, which was mm. actually mostly custom built. Mm -hmm. um, because I wanted it built strong enough that it had um, no given given it at all. Um, a friend of mine did it for me out of sheet steel. Um, so you're sitting basically in a chair. There's a metal frame for a cockpit because you're in VR. What's it matter what it looks like from the outside? Um, you have your racing wheel, so force feedback wheel, pedals, um, gearbox, handbrake, and all that stuff. Yes, that like that increases performance, having a good wheel and having, especially having good brakes. But on top of that, I have transducers, I have motion, I have artificial wind. None of them make you a better racer, not one bit. Like nobody that's winning world championships, esports racing is using things like artificial wind. It just makes it fun. Yeah. It, it makes it feel more like you're there. Well, and that's a, that's those, that depth of immersion. Like right now, yep. uh, the virtuality headsets, as they are really, really good at simulating uh, visual, and mm -hmm. auditory uh what they don't do really good is haptics the sense of touch right and so what you're yep. talking about right there is you really put them inside that that little sense of motion the feedback of the steering wheel the the yep. force feedback and then also what you're talking about transducers which are basically kind of like speakers without the sound that kind of make the vibration right right so, yeah what what's what makes them a little different is they're not just linking up to the sound output of the mm -hmm. computer they're actually using their own independent software so mm -hmm. although it's a low intensity vibration, it, it, it's not, if you, you know, if you have just a noise of a car passing, you're not feeling a vibration. It's actually relating to the engine revving or to a bump in the road or so. It, and again, it, it does nothing to make you a faster racer. It just makes it fun. Your, it makes it feel like you're doing it. Yeah. It's your joy. What, yeah. like, can you talk to me about like, so the, the, the types of people that you that come to the VRK. What are the what are the groups of people that that get the most enjoyment that you see on a regular basis come through your um your uh, virtual reality arcade? Um, I have quite a big mix, a, a yeah. lot of different age groups. So, obviously, quite high up on my customer list are kids coming for birthday parties. Uh -huh. You know, we, we've talked we've talked about this before. That that's like a major demographic. Parents parents coming with their children as well. Yeah. So I have a lot of 30 somethings, 40 somethings coming with their 12, 13, 14 year old kids. Yeah. Um, the demographic I have the least of, and it's actually one of the most fun groups to do a, a, an experience for our teenagers. Um, and oh, yeah. I have lots, I, I, I have lots of thoughts as to why, you know, like maybe, maybe being more independent, being away from the parents, maybe not having transport or money to go and do things. Um, but they seem very much not afraid to scream or be terrified. You know, by, by the time you're uh, like a grown man, people can become a little bit re 
some people can become a little bit repressed, you know, mm-hmm. afraid to show that they're actually scared. Well, that didn't bother me, you know, like I wasn't scared by that ghost that just jumped out, jumped out at me. Whereas the teenagers are high playing, they'll scream. Like <laughs> they'll, they'll get trapped in a house in a game like Phasmophobia and they'll just let out this almighty scream and everyone gets a buzz out of it. Everyone in the group enjoys watching each other being scared. So that's one of the groups I enjoy most. That's so fun. And I could imagine that uh, when you're talking about uh, parents and kids, like uh, yeah. they're probably the parents are kind of reliving their childhood a bit with the yeah. kids. Like they get to play together and have those connections. What, what, are, what are experiences you'd like to put like families through? Are there certain ones that you'd like to, like they like to typically go through and do together? I, I very much try and stick to the really simple experiences. Um, so, you know, I, I've talked about games like Phasmophobia. They're more in depth. But when people are coming to do VR for the first time um, and they're coming in a family, you, you want to try and aim for stuff that everyone can enjoy, that there's not this barrier to get into play, that, that there's a huge learning curve where they've got to work out what all the controls are. Um, so w- one of my go-to games actually at the moment is a game called Synth Riders. Um, I, I don't know if you've, if you've played that one or, or tried that one out. I, a little bit. I, I tried it only for a couple of minutes really well executed um similar in style to a lot of other rhythm games like beat saber um but the learning curve is very short two minutes and people are away and they're playing it's very intuitive it has multiplayer as well so uh like a a parent with a child it can get quite competitive that they're, they're trying to beat each other's score and while they're in it they can see each other doing it too so you can see them looking out the corner of their eyes trying to watch what the other player's score is. The other thing I love about games like that are I've always tried to aim for this kind of high-end experience and to give people stuff that they won't have at home because I think more and more people are having headsets in their house now. More and more people are buying things like the Oculus Quest. We've got the PSVR 2 coming out. And I think it's a... a it's almost short-sighted to rely on the stock games that eventually everyone are going to have at home. So games like Synth Riders use the B haptic suits as well. Mm-hmm. So you can let people experience that rhythm game, but also have the haptic feedback too. Um, yeah. Something probably most people aren't already going to have at home. Um, and a lot of my customers and a lot of people that come are people that already own their own VR headsets and want to try something that's a little bit more kind of high-end or engaging. Well, see, that's an interesting topic where you're talking right there is because back when I got started, not everybody had a VR headset. So no, like, exactly. It's yeah. a back, it's a, it's, it's something that's, it's more, and you said, you know, it's, it's a bad maneuver to rely on just the, the VR headsets themselves being entertaining and stuff. Yeah. What do you think are some things like, uh, you know, what advice would you give to people that are, that are looking to open up their own VR cage or things like that? That, that they may not see coming. Because some people are like, oh, this is great. I just opened up a shop. It's super fun. Um, I get to play games all day, uh, which is probably not untrue. But what, what, do, you think are, what do you think are some uh, uh, things that you've learned along the way that were lessons that, that might be beneficial to other people? Well, number one, don't do it in the Highlands of Scotland. It's a terrible business. You'll never make a living. No one will come. Um, <laughs> I, 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 other than that... Um, I think there are there are different models of, of business. Yeah. I think really following what you enjoy is is really important. 
I think if you're enthusiastic about it, that will shine through and people will see, you know, if you're enjoying sharing it with them, that will give them a buzz as well. So don't do something just for the sake of doing it because you think it's going to, going to be lucrative on its own. Your passion will also sell it. So mm -hmm. if you can't be passionate about it, then you're not going to make your customer feel passionate about it. So I, I think it can be very different depending on what you specifically enjoy. So like I, I see a lot of people just now doing um, this time of night in my brain. Um, mm. um, a, a lot of the arena games with them um, quests where they're, they're they're free roaming, and absolute respect to the to these games to the software to people who are doing them it's not my thing um so i i've stayed away from that because i'm not going to get excited by doing it i'm going to get excited by sharing the high-end experiences so i think like doing what you feel passionate about really matters mm -hmm. um after that i think listen to your customer but don't listen to them too much because probably you know more about what they're going to enjoy than they do and they're very often going to try and push their kids towards something that they think will be good, that possibly their kid won't enjoy. So I, th I think almost any VR kid owner would agree with me that you quite often have parents that are anxious for their kid to try everything, or if they see them playing a game that maybe they think as a parent they wouldn't enjoy, they try and direct their kid away from it and to something else. But mm. if that child or that customer is, is enjoying the game they're playing, leave them on it. Um, they're not getting any pleasure out of switching from one game to another, to another, to another. Let them just enjoy the experience. And I, I think that's, that's kind of a primary thing. That's interesting. It's almost like micromanaging their fun, you know? It is, yeah. yeah. Listen to them, but yeah. kind of nudge them to where you know they're going to have a good time. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like for the parent is micromanaging the kid's fun, trying to get them to move around from yeah. spot to spot to spot, right? right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, hey, man, just, you know, laissez-faire, let them have a good time, take your hands off and let them go in that direction. And then and then kind of understanding what it, you're interpreting their needs, right? You're like saying, oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. You want them to have a great time. You want them to laugh and play. I've got a great yeah. game for you. Let me let me serve you up something that you'll, you'll truly exactly. enjoy. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's something to the, the the deeply immersive stuff. I think that is 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 really, um, you can lose yourself in. It becomes magic, right? Yeah, at, at a certain level of the of the tech. Um, it along the notes of this, I would love to see if like talk to me a little bit about how you got started with the VRK. You talked about um, you know fast forward past the Amiga, fast forward right. past the. Uh, getting the trying out the aliens uh game and, and being terrified and sick um yep. you know what 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 were the real what was the really the the the, the build up to you going just being an enthusiast to actually going you know what i'm going to open up my own place and actually be able to have it uh use this to to make a living on well for for me the the first part of it was i'm going to do this slowly and in my own time mm -hmm. um i started off doing um, just little mobile events, kids' parties, bookings for a couple of people, um, because I really wanted to learn the equipment firsthand and learn what worked and what didn't work. Um, it, you hear in almost any business, 
people will have tips that they'd like to go back and tell their past self, don't waste your money on this, don't do this, don't do this. And it's so easy to go head on into something and have spent all your money and think, damn, if only I'd done it this way, it would have been much better. Um, I should have bought this equipment. So I, I wasn't actually in the position at the time to gamble. So I bought a couple setups, started doing kids parties, and I learned kind of how I wanted to do it. And what I decided was I already had a, you know, a, a business that made me a good living. I wasn't going to fold that and put my family's income at jeopardy and just suddenly move into something else. You know, I, I was happy doing what I did. It made me a good living. Um, so I started doing it just as a weekend business, mm -hmm. you know, a, a few hours every weekend. And my focus was on building up a local following, getting repeat customers, getting my name known. Um, I spent a lot of time making adverts on promoting my Facebook page. And I, I think it was all very organic that it gradually built and everything's been a steady progression. Um, so I'd gradually get more equipment. Um, eventually I decided back in May, 2020, which was really lousy timing, that I was about ready to open a seven day a week LBVR venue. Um, I bought a lot of equipment. Um, I had a couple good options on a premises um, and I'd kind of set a date for the beginning of May that I was planning on having that open. And of course, you know, we all know what happened early 2020, it, you know, it, it, it happened to all of us. So I suddenly found myself in a situation where I had all this VR equipment um, lockdown clearly seemed to be going on longer than anyone anticipated. Um, what do I do? It, it's going to devalue. It's going to get older, potentially become out of date that it's going to need updating. Do I sell it? If I sell it, do I ever get back into the position of, or any time in the near future, do I get back into the position of being able to attempt to do this again after lockdown's over? So in the interim period, I decided, you know what, once lockdown lifts, I'm going to do this on a small scale. And I built a cabin specifically for doing VR in and thought, this is a great way of keeping the social media side of things going, keeping a bit of a local buzz, um, getting a following that people are talking about me. So the, the, the VR cabin that I built, I'm actually sitting in right now, um, it only has four VR stations. So, you know, I, I actually, I'm, I'm sure there are somewhere, but they're, I, I don't know of any VR arcades that are smaller. I think probably the only people who are smaller operators are people who maybe have a cafe and have a couple of VR stations in it. Um, but most of the people I see on arcade owners communities are minimum of eight stations. Mm -hmm. But what worked great with this through the, we're not in the post COVID period, but in the post lockdown period was it allowed me to do bookings with single parties without high rental costs, without staffing costs, without families worrying about who they were mixing with and what other people they were seeing and whether they were going to catch COVID. And it let me continue to build up interest so that I'd hopefully be in a position to springboard into opening a larger venue when I felt secure enough to do that. 
So that's a cool move. I mean, that's a way to pivot in it. I mean, <clears throat> the whole thing got flipped on it. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who uh, I have uh, my virtual rowdy game that's in a whole bunch of the arcades throughout the U.S. and stuff, and we were doing really yeah. well with that. And then, you know, I watched I watched these minutes. I know that um, Springboard went from doing 4 million minutes, um, I think 4 million minutes a month, to like 1,000 minutes um, yeah. because everything just got shut down. And then mm-hmm. everyone just kind of goes, okay, now what? So you built a, a cabin, and you were able to actually put these in. It's almost, it almost feels like a... A VR speakeasy or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a exactly. yep. knock on the door. You got to have a certain password. And then what's cool about that is you made it intimate, yep. you made it private. And then you took all yep. these things of like, you know, it's a, it's, you know, taking the, the, the challenges that would happen, you know, during that, the time and actually converted it into something that could actually serve you. And you can kind of still build momentum and move yep. things along versus having to shut down entirely. You know, uh-huh. it's cool that you found, you found that third option, which, I don't think a lot of our kids middle, middle middle ground. Yeah, there there there, yeah. there are a lot of people who I, I wouldn't say just luck, but a lot of people who are very careful and had a good business plan that managed to survive. A lot of the biggest arcades were the ones that seemed to be hit the hardest, the ones with a massive running cost. And sadly, some of these spe- some spectacular venues went under. Um yeah. but there there were an awful lot of people didn't survive. Um and a great many of them through absolutely no fault of their own. There's nothing they could have done or foreseen to have changed things. It was just something no one could have anticipated. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the things with being in the business is that you're, you're, you're building your own village, you're building your own yep. place and right. And whatever happens that affects that a village, it's, it's, it's on you, right? You can't yep. control exactly. the environment around you, but you're trying to build this thing. What's great. You have your own freedoms, right? You, yep. you, quote unquote play games for a living right yep. and you know and which is wonderful but then the challenges are when those those things happen um you know i work it yeah i work i, I, I work at playing games <laughs> I, remember, I remember i was uh i was uh, on the east coast um visiting my my family for uh the holidays last year and my niece and nephew they're like seven and nine years old and i was hanging out there but i was working remotely so i was you know, in in the spare room working away. And then I had to meet up uh, with my client where I was playing, working on developing my game. And yep. they were knocking the door and my brother was like, hey, you can't bug him. You got to leave him alone. He's working. And they're like, he's not working. He's playing. I can hear him yep. in there. He's playing. He's laughing. Yep. I want to play too. And you can, they, they didn't, they're like, that is not fair. And it's like, that's it. but the, you know, you, you choose you choose what you go into and it, yeah. it, it, can, it can look glorious from the outside, but people don't understand the, the underbelly things that you have to put up with um, yep. trying to make, make these things happen. So like, what do you, you know, what are some of these, can you talk to me about like str- these struggling moments, right. And kind of like how you're able to kind of overcome or what were, you know, a moment in time that you're so, okay, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And then you're able to pivot. Um, I think, for me personally, the, the the biggest struggles through the recent period with with COVID were financial, um, and being of course being trapped at home and mental health. My mental health, my wife's mental health, is chronic migraines. My children, who are both autistic, um, and them becoming almost housebound. Um, but I, I found myself in a position where, between me and my wife, we had three good income revenues, um, but they were all dependent on first person contact with people. 
so our income basically just vanished overnight um i i don't know what it was like for you in the us but um a lot of the the help from the government here um was based around the, your last few years of earnings and so while i have 17 plus years of self-employed tax returns in my last couple of years i've been investing heavily in vr equipment so my net looked like next to nothing so it's like okay well you weren't making much profit the last couple of years anyway so no help for you um so the worry of how am i going to survive how am i going to pay the bills and it's not something i would have survived if i wasn't fortunate enough to have a lot of family around us who helped us um but i think that 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 those things all combining together were were like a perfect storm basically and that's i mean it's no joke but that's real talk man i mean it was yeah. it's a challenge right and, and unless yeah. you come together as a family and as a support group to be able to make it i mean no one expects uh you know something to happen and then all of a sudden you can't talk to people right and that right and that and that hits you in so many different areas and then but figuring out how do you cope and that mental health thing huge so many people went into holes like oh this is great i have time off yeah and then and then inserts all the stuff that they do to try to pass the time and then yeah. you, it, it seems like a great idea it's like it's like if you have a day off um and you're like oh i'm just gonna binge watch netflix all day it seems like a great idea in the moment but you, you know later in that you kind of feel weird because you haven't moved you haven't stretched you haven't gotten you haven't gotten anything out of your system and you, and you feel all crunchy so that that yeah. Yeah. So what about like when you talk about the mental health, I mean, did going into VR help with the mental health or what did you talk to me about ways that you were able to kind of uh, keep resilience with that? Well, it it did actually. It, it's funny, you know, despite my fascination with, you know, with VR and, and tech and all these things, I actually spent very little time playing it myself. Um, I showed it to other people. I, I think I have as much of a fascination with the technology and making everything work and setting things up as I do with actually playing stuff. Um, but I found during lockdown at first, you know, you're a little bit isolated, but then I found myself becoming quite reclusive. Um, I, I'm generally or historically quite a social person, but I think as my, I, I started to struggle with my own mental health of being cut off. I think I stopped reaching out to friends as much and actually talking to them. I, I think I found myself at one point with probably 10, 15 plus messages from friends in my messenger account. And for whatever reason, I just hadn't replied to them. And I'd like to think they know me well enough to know that none of that was ever personal. It was that I was struggling to a point where I just really couldn't face talking to people. and. You know the fact that someone might ask me how are you doing are you okay i yeah. neither wanted to lie nor did i really want to get into it and tell them the truth so i i just kind of avoid talking about it with regards to vr that's actually probably when i started playing a little bit more myself and i think the social side of meeting friends and playing online so you know like we've played a couple of games i played regularly with andy um uh, who's i think still watching just now um hey andy um a friend of mine sasha i've been playing with more recently mm -hmm. those meetups online and playing games together i think kept me sane it was that little bit of social interaction and 
that's the power of VR. You actually feel like you're there with people. It, it, it's more involving. It's more engaging than just a telephone call. You're doing something together as well as talking. Mm. Oh, the part of my, my son typing in there. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. It is. It's there is a it's beyond typing. It's, it's the it's one of the best forms of interaction. It's not the same thing as a video chat where we can chat. No, it's not. But you can play together. You can yeah. play together, which is which is magic. You can run around, play and tag. You can get scared together, and there is a bit of the mental health in that. But that the the, the uh, not talking to people, and I've I've been in that situation where like, um, you know, you, you just you, something bad happens in the business. You don't want to talk to people. It, it's yeah. like kind of like a hey Joseph, uh, hey guys. I just really say hi to my son there. Hi, he's, hey. he's watching, so he said hello repeatedly. What up, brother? Hey Joseph, good to hear you, brother. Welcome, welcome to the party. Uh, but this thing it hits right, and you don't want to yeah. you don't want to talk to people. But it's no. it's weird because it's it people think oh just just positive mental attitude oh just do this, but they don't understand like you don't it, it can it can it can jump on top of you. But also at the same time like oh, you, like there's a there's a power in being vulnerable where you feel connected. Like so many people want to have like everything's going great, everything's awesome, but nobody really connects with that. Nobody connects with that as much as being no, real. They don't. You know. Having a positive mental attitude is a good thing, but the concept of saying positive mental attitude is toxic. It, it doesn't fix people telling them you need to have a positive mental attitude. Do you know why? Because people's problems are real. They're deep. They're complicated. They're not just just look on the bright side of life and things will get better. Um, so you know, the, I think I think there's this. It's a very complicated issue. It, it, it's. It's almost dismissing somebody. Do you know what it I'm is. saying? You're, you're right. It, exactly. I, yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I'm in a tough situation. I. Oh, just have. Just buck up. Have a strong yep. upper lip. You're like, oh, screw you too, buddy. Like that's that. That's that feeling, right? Yep. That energy, and it doesn't. And, and because you know, but at the same time, you don't want to like. You don't want them to feel bad, but the people. The, there's like there's a fine balance of of being there with somebody and sitting with yep. them and making and 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 letting them know that they're not alone. Exactly. Right. Just listening. Yeah. Yeah. Just listening. Just being there with them. You know. And sometimes people just want to be heard. Some people just want to be held. Yeah. Some people just want to, you know. And I've had some crazy conversations in virtual reality where uh -huh. you go, you go deep with people, deep on these topics, yeah. and and it's just it's just having someone there with you. And I think that's one of the powerful things about the VR when you when you get in there and you can connect with people and um, yeah. have the conversations. Have you you can you talk to me about? I mean, any, any of these um social experiences you've had that that will kind of stay with you i mean it could be it could be that or it could be something incredibly fun or it could be that what for you stands out to you as a memorable moment that you won't you won't ever forget in vr i think um i think it, all, all the memorable moments are with other people um yeah. I, I play very little in single player games there, there are stellar experiences like Half-Life Alex, which is just this incredibly immersive environment. But I still think, despite that probably being the benchmark of immersion in VR, it pales in comparison to doing something with someone else. So, you know, laughing with someone else, being scared with someone else. I, I mentioned before briefly about, you know, like me loving horror. I, I would never have a nightmare about a horror movie. But I will not play Phasmophobia on my own in VR. <laughs> I, no, 
I'll, I'll play, I play I play on a screen, but you want to get me to go into the house? I'll play on my own. I, I, I won't do it. No way. And <laughs> when you, it, it, if you think about that kind of, like if you want to intellectualize it and think about that in isolation, the people I'm playing with aren't actually there. Hmm. We're not going into a real house. There are no ghosts. However you look at it, whatever I'm doing, even if it was real, I'm still doing it on my own. I'm playing with people who aren't in VR themselves. They're just sitting at a mouse and keyboard, often in another country, and yet I feel like they're in there with me. So as soon as you put another player in there, it's like, it's cool. I'll do anything. I'm not scared of that ghost, yeah. but I, I won't do it. And that, that, I think that speaks volumes to how powerful a medium VR actually is, that I yeah. feel like the people I'm doing it with are there with me. I feel like they're laughing with me. I feel like they're scared with me. Um, and I, I think rather than one standout experience, I think all the experiences that involve laughing, being scared, and connecting with other people are all stand out. That, that's what makes it so amazing. Yeah, man. It's totally right. And by the way, I, I totally thought the same thing. I've never... Um, uh, thought about playing uh uh phasmophobia in and by myself it's never been a thought where i'm like i'm just gonna run around this place no, by myself no, and look no, no, no. and it's funny because like i do know it's funny because there's this weird thing again we talked about the dismissal right because mm -hmm. like because you're the logical part of the brain is like oh he's just it's just pixels on the screen that's just yeah. digital i can tell you what that is i mean you're just passing you know, rpcs over the net like there's just I, logically speaking it's just but, but at the same time, emotionally, you want someone there with you. You want a battle buddy. You want to go oh, yeah. arm and digital Definitely. arm. In it. It's because it's, it's fun and it's, it's funny and it's scary. And it, and there's that, that those magic, there's those moments, but yeah, you're right. As soon as you said, go in there by yourself, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. No, that sounds fun at all. It sounds I, terrible. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I've even been doing it where I've had to go in and like mess with settings for a party coming. Um, and I've just been like going in on each machine and I've just gone into the house and tested like that's tracking properly, that's gripping. And I can remember going into one of the houses and like the second I went inside, I just heard this hiss and I'm wearing the B haptics suit as well. So my heart, I could feel in the vest, it go, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, nope, 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 out of here. <laughs> you know, and it's broad daylight and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm at home testing stuff out. And I'm like, nope, that's it. I understand. There's, there's no, there is no shame. Even though we're, we're, we're both uh, grown men, technically, technically, I'm gonna put air quotes yeah. over that one. It is. I completely could be completely acceptable because it is so easy to. Like, what's crazy about it is, like, you talk about like our reality, right? Like, literally, the VR, you can take over someone's reality and you can put them inside yeah. those worlds. I and mean, whether you, I mean, you could, you could slide down rainbows or you could hang out in the yeah. darkness. I mean, there's so much you can do that, yeah. that it just, it will create your world and that and i'm curious like i wonder if there's like a record time that people spent inside there um and and how it shaped their brains like, in terms of psychological impact um that vr has i i have a friend who i know has played for 16 hours straight with the exception of maybe bathroom breaks um th i think that's pretty crazy um that would make you start to dream that way which i think is which is crazy um and i don't uh I'm sure there's some psychological effects. That's one of the things I'd love to see is that I'd love to see something that could kind of scan your brain at the same time when you're inside there to kind of see any type of psychological effects that it actually has on the brain. If you can actually 
enable? Could you actually? I, I know that there have been studies done regarding the formulation of memories in VR and how um, VR experiences when you're forming long-term memories of them, they're very much the same or they're very different to having watched a TV show. You remember yeah. it almost autobiographically like it's actually happened to you. That, that... I, I don't know all the specifics, but I know there's one or two studies being done on that. Well, because I do have memories like like when I when I remember playing with you, um, yeah. you know, there's a couple times we played in different ex different experiences. I don't remember me being in the room playing with you. I remember me oh, being in VR with you yep. at that house, at that at that temple, or the different places that yep. we were at together. And so that's it is interesting because I do I do have those memories. Yep. Um, uh, shifting the conversation just a, a little bit. So, um, and I don't know if you're if you're free to talk about this or not. You had some um, opportunities for expansion and some things you're going to be doing. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Are you are you yeah. at liberty to talk about that at all? I, I I can talk about some of it. Um, yeah. Probably some some of it I have to be a little vague on. Um, a friend, a good friend of mine, someone who I always I also play online with. I don't know if he's watching just now or not, but um, hmm. he has a local simulator business. Um, We've talked an awful lot, and um, I, th I think an awful lot of it is foot traffic and attracting people in. And we've both got quite a good local social media following. So we're, we're planning on actually opening a premises together with the perspective that we're both stronger together. He'll drive traffic for me, and I'll drive traffic for him. So yeah. that's kind of imminently on the horizon. Um, We've been looking at properties now pretty steadily for quite a while and trying to find something where it's the right balance of space, location, parking, um, and not forgetting rental costs and rates and taxes. So um, I, hopefully, I mean, I'll, I'll actually know a little bit more just in the next few days, um, but hopefully we've actually found somewhere now. So that will see us, I would think by the spring, um, mm. being open in a, in, a, in a new venue, which I'm really excited about because I, I kind of feel it's time to sort of take the next step in terms of how many customers I can actually have at once, being able to do bigger parties. Um, there's lots of experiences that I would love to be able to do with people that um, I don't have the space for at the moment. Um, so that, that that's kind of the next step for, for both of us. Um, and I think it's also something that's lacking in the area that I live in. Um, we have some great businesses, but they're, you know, so we have bowling alleys, we have mini golf, we have a trampoline park, um, we have a cinema that's been struggling like probably every cinema has, um, but there, there's nothing else kind of like this within the Highlands of Scotland. Mm -hmm. And I think being able to offer an entertainment venue that gives someone a completely different experience to what they've had before is sorely needed. So it's awesome. There's a couple of points you look at, and and I completely agree with the philosophy that stronger together. Some people might look yeah. at it as competition, but to to be honest with you, like I used to, I used to own a gourmet food truck, and yeah. if you park one gourmet food truck out there, no one really stops. But if you had five or ten of them out in a circle, you're gonna stop, right? Because it's bigger, yeah. it's more grand, it grabs your attention. And then also you can you can find those critical areas. I know with those types of things, I mean, you're looking for a big parking lot, you're looking for an intersection, you're looking wow. for certain times of days and spots like that. Um, you know, when you're when you're thinking about like the rent and the location and mm -hmm. and like the, the partnerships and things like that, you know, what do you think are the, like the most critical elements that if you just got those things right, everything else would work? 
Well, we, we talked about this the other day, actually, but um, I, I think um, lo location is important. Um, yeah. I, I would love to have visibility, but mm -hmm. visibility comes with a price in terms of rent. It also comes with a compromise, and the compromise is usually parking. Um, our, our, um, our kind of urban layout in the Highlands of Scotland is very different to most places I see in the US. So you have these, these great big retail parks everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. Or any, anywhere out of a major city, you have lots of retail parks. And we tend to have a city centre, and then we have out with the city centre. Oh. And if you're in the city centre, you're going to get loads of foot traffic. But parking's a pain in the neck. Um, if you do park, you're having to walk all the way across town, which isn't always friendly for families. So a big priority for me is parking. People being able to pull their car up outside and just come in with their family. Um, and because I know that the, with the premises and the types of premises we've been looking at, they're not going to have great visibility for people walking past. We're very dependent on generating local awareness. Mm -hmm. which is kind of what led us both to thinking we both actually already got really good local aware awareness anyway. All your customers are going to walk straight past my business. All my customers are going to walk straight past your business. There's the opportunity for us both to maybe have other revenue streams in terms of food, drink, a lounge area. Um, it just works. I mean, it's at People don't always think about it. They tend to view everyone as competition, but it's very tried and tested. You just have to look at like a, a cinema, local cinemas right beside them. You're going to see a Pizza Hut, a McDonald's, a TGI Fridays, a Frankie and Benny's. So you, why are all these restaurants opening right next to each other and right next to a cinema? Because they know people are going there to have fun. They're going there to eat. They're actually stronger together rather than being competition. A hundred percent. And that's the thing. The people that realize if you can make allies through this whole thing, yep. you, can, you can learn, you can grow, you can develop. Yep. I know the same thing for me, like VR developers, you know, some people go, oh, it's a threat. Oh, there's this. Oh, I can't share my ideas. Oh, no, things are going to happen. But you, when you operate in those vacuums, you you miss out on all the gold of yeah. just sharing information. It's like, hey, man, have you thought about like painting that thing blue? Have you thought about tweaking that thing? You get these yeah. insights, you get that magic, and then and then you know you're all kind of like learning and growing together. And that's the yeah. and that's the beauty of and, all that. Stuff. And and even on the larger, like the the bigger picture, you're making yeah. great experiences collectively. You're all driving more people into VR. You're yeah. you're expanding. It. One of the things that and I, I won't mention any names. One of the things that bothered mm -hmm. me early on with a, a big developer who, who had a game that I wanted to license was they were, they were talking enormous licensing costs in the region of $30,000 um, to license for a year. And I, I tried to, like, I actually wrote them and explained the scale on which I was doing it. That it was only going to be a couple stations. And it was almost as though they didn't hear anything I said to them. And they then wrote back saying, we offer these great competitive packages and this is what it includes. It's like, okay, but wait, you want to license to me, license it to me in the Highlands of Scotland with a city population of around 35,000 for the same price as you want to license it to, and, and not even per station, like it was a set price, the same cost as a VR arcade with a hundred stations in, your, in, you know, in New York City. It's, it's not plausible for me. Yeah, it no, makes sense at all. And where I think that's short-sighted is by investing in me, the tiny little 
VR arcade owner, they're actually helping to increase their market size because they're going to help me grow into a bigger customer who will license more from them. Well, and it's also, it's like, they're, they, without even having a conversation with you, they, they shut you down and it's like, they're going to get zero. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's just, it's it, and versus they can, they can make your business better. They could get money. Yep. It could be a win-win if they're only willing to, to have a conversation. Yeah. It is a very, it's a very um, limited thing, but um, I think the way you're coming about it to actually partner with somebody and actually work on saying, okay, how do we, how do we win together? How do we grow this is, is, is huge. Do you have like, do you have like a holy grail for this? Like what you want to do ultimately? So let's just say you open up this, this new facility. Um, is there, is there a certain um, flag in the mountaintop or some sort of goal you're trying to hit? Yes. And it's not financial. Okay. Um, it's not grandiose. It's not um, world domination. It's about, it's about living a life that gives me good work-life balance, that I do something that I love, that I get to share my passion with other people, that I'm there for my family when they need me rather than miles away working all the time. It's about making something that's successful, that thrives, that yes, brings me in a really good income that I can take care of my family the way they need, they need. but it's about balance. Um, so, what I would like is to have a really successful local business that um, does all those things. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, bringing balance back to the force. You know, yeah. and, uh, that's it's a beautiful. And then, by, by the way, it's, I mean, I think there's like the era. I mean, you you might be a similar in my age, um, where yeah. like our previous generations, they just you know get rich. I think, I think we're about four. Too. I think I'm about four years older than you. I think. I think. Maybe. Pretty, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, let's just say. Let's say about that. About that. We don't yeah. need specifics. <laughs> I know. A lady never tells. Uh, no. Yeah. So it's uh, uh, but about the same age. But like the, our previous generations, that that's what they're all about. And for us, it's more about like you know, I I I love that. Like doing what you're passionate about, sharing that passion, and mm -hmm. and actually have it be thriving, but also being able to be there for your family at the same time, so that you yep. can grow that and build it i think that's a wonderful and that's a wonderful goal and i think it's a it's a it's a, it's a great holy grail to have and it's, it doesn't doesn't necessarily be world domination to have value what what do you think is your um if that's the goal what is your dragon what is the thing that is so difficult to overcome you don't know if you're going to be able to do it um when you're trying to achieve this holy grail goal um for me um an awful lot of it is health um i I'm, I'm athletic, I'm fit, I come from a sports background. Um, I also have ME um, and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's an invisible illness. And I find I have points where I'm just so fatigued that- what, What's ME, I'm sorry? Um, oh, it was frequently referred to as chronic fatigue. And it, okay. it, for years it's been dismissed by physicians. It's only recently more widely acknowledged. Okay. Um, I, I think often it comes from not being able to explain why people are unwell, but in my case, it started after having um, glandular fever, which I think you just call mono in the US. Oh, yeah. So yeah. The, which derives from the Epstein Barr bar virus. So it, it's post, it started post viral. Um, and managing that, a lot of it involves avoiding the highs and the lows. So for, for me, it will be. I feel good. I've got energy just now. 
oh my god there's all this stuff i haven't done because i've been unwell i've got to get it done and i'll go flat out to try and accomplish everything in one go floor myself and then my energy levels plummet i'm exhausted for about a week i can't get anything done i sit still i feel better i go flat out again so it's this up and down and up and down cycle and it's trying to temper that and trying to mm -hmm. learn what my own limitations are how much do i have energy for um and to manage that successfully um and that's something that i do with greater and lesser success at different points that there's often tipping points where anxiety becomes too much family life and work becomes too much and i push too far and i think more than anything i find that really frustrating because i have this I, I always have this drive to accomplish more, to achieve more, and not being able to do the stuff that I want to do really frustrates me. I mean, it uh, makes a ton of sense, dude. That that you know, build and burn, like you're you're going, 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 crash to the ground. Yep. You know, and then and your body falls apart, and then you lose yep. that momentum, and then you mm -hmm. got to get that momentum back up, and you got to go through yep. it, and then that that that's I mean, the struggle's real there because I mean, you have to, you know, running a business, have been being married, having kids, all that stuff. It's like, it's, yep. it's a whirlwind of stuff where it's it, it, it is. In all directions yep. and you don't, you forget to fill up your own cup and you're filling up everybody else's cup and then you, you're, you're on empty and then you struggle. Right. And, that's, and, then, and then, especially if you try to compensate with like, I mean, I sometimes get into kicks where I have like these crazy things where I, I, I have to live off energy drinks and then I'll go for like a week living off energy yeah. drinks. And at the end, I'm just like, I can't, I can't take it. <laughs> yeah. You crash, you crash the bound. It's, 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 uh, and so I, it is. And, hmm. and the energy, that's something I've done. Um, I've had to, I've known at particular times I've really had to push and I've really had to work hard. And the energy drinks for me always came with a price. It, it yeah. was, it was pushing myself beyond really what my body's telling me that I should be doing. Um, knowing that what I'm doing is going to have repercussions in terms of my health later, um, and yeah, I think I think that's a major thing to try and avoid. But it's it's far easier said than done. It is. It is. It's uh, you know, um, it's so easy to find these like sayings online or other things like these. Like you know, it's the same thing dismissing the uh, oh, just positive mental attitude. Just go. Just yep. go through. It's because yeah, it's not. It takes, you have to. You have to be able to actually find that thing and also maintaining balance. That 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 the trick is the maintaining balance part. And I think that's right. it's a it's a it's and but building your own business if you can get enough momentum behind it, and they can start to you know you know it's like it's like a turning a turning a a a spark into a forest fire. It takes yeah. so much energy to keep it going, but once it once it starts to pick up momentum, like critical mass. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. This, John, this has been absolutely wonderful. I know it's late for you, brother, uh, but I want to ask you this. Is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how they can get a hold of you and how they can find your awesome uh, location-based entertainment arcade yeah, facility? Um, you can find me on some – it's terrible. I should actually know what my handle is for, for um, <laughs> my, my, my business for Facebook. Um, my business is called Inverness VR Experiences or IVR. Mm -hmm. Um I'm in the Highlands of Scotland, so if you're in the Highlands of Scotland, um, I shouldn't be too hard to find on Facebook. Um, just drop me a message. Um, so if you want to experience any high-end VR and you've not done it before, or even if you just want a little bit of advice or information, I'm always happy to help people who are trying to set up VR at home as well.
Beautiful, wonderful. So Inverness, if you're looking for that, I-N-V-E-R-N-E-S-S. Uh, search that for the Highlands of Scotland. Not, not, not Inverness, Florida. No, no, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I get that a lot. Oh, you do? And you're like, oh, yeah. could you come? Yeah. Could you do a kid's birthday party over here? And it's like, no, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for entertainment, look for that. And then, uh, and also, Jonathan, if they want to get a hold of you, um, again, how would they get a hold of you? Um, I'm easy to find on Twitter. Um, um, and again, it's, it's terrible, isn't it, when you can't remember things offhand? I think my Twitter is just my name, John S.M. Watts. So it's at John S.M. Watts. Um, and I'm, I'm quite active and usually respond fairly quickly to anyone who messages me or contacts me. That's awesome. John, absolute pleasure, brother. Uh, thank you so much for coming Likewise. on the show. I thank appreciate thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Have a blessed and beautiful day, my friend, and I will see you, you on too. the other side. Take care now. Good night. Thanks. See you, brother. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.